Bases loaded. Two out. Hard hit into right. Back at the wall. Tie game! Big Poppy! The Grand Slam! This is our fucking city. Hey, Jerry. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Uh, nice game one today, Julian Zavaris. <laughs> I, just, I just fell off the table, that's why I'm laughing. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. Stranger Things. We are back. Another episode of the Obstructive View Red Sox podcast. I am joined by my co-hosts, all four of us once again, back-to-back-to-back to back shows where the, the four of us have been together. Uh, we are live recording on a Tuesday night. Red Sox Rays are playing. We're not going to give you our live reactions. Chris Sale, Sale Day. Um, but let's go around the horn here. Steve, how's it going tonight? What's going on, everybody? How we living? Right, I'm living pretty well. I'm living moss, baby. I just had some tacos and a margarita. It's a great Tuesday. Hey, speaking of margaritas, Miggy. Howdy, howdy. Hey, man, it feels like forever since we've recorded, honestly. I mean, we recorded last Tuesday. I know, but it feels like forever. I know. It's, it's forever, and it, it feels like forever when we don't see each other's faces. We recorded <laughs> at midnight. It was so late, and I was just ready to go to we sleep. We did. It was a booty call with Sean McAdam. We were recording that late. We recorded at midnight with Sean McAdam. And uh, lastly, lastly, we have Jamie. From, let's go uh, socks. Let's go socks. So I, let's you know let's kind of let's we're gonna jump right at it. So um, Red Sox Yankees they played a four game series. Red Sox split with New York. Before we even like touch upon the series, the back to back wins. My question is this. Have we as Red Sox fans lowered our expectations to the fact that we got really excited that we split the series with the New York Yankees? And I say that because like four years ago, we would not get excited for splitting a series with New York. But all of a sudden, we split the series with New York after dropping the first two games. And we got, we're pretty excited. Now, don't get me wrong. Saturday was a great win. Biggest win of the year. Sunday was a good comeback win. But have we as Red Sox fans lowered our expectations to be excited that we came back and split the series with New York. I'm going to start with Jamie. Go. I mean, I feel like with that series, it's a little different just because they had four rookie starters, you know, going against that offense and they had to come back, like you said, in the last two games. I mean, it wasn't ideal. Um, they weren't pretty ball games, but the fact that kind of, you know, Cutter gave them a fact to win, gave them a chance to win, that they still pulled two out with guys who have been in the majors for less than a year starting. You know, I'll take that, um, especially who they have coming back and how that's, you know, that's not going to be the, the position they're in going forward. Okay. Miggy. I, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a tough way to say. I feel like we hadn't seen this team since, I mean, the first series of the season. I feel like a bunch of people, you know, you have the big bad Yankees coming into town. I feel like this year is more measuring stick for us. I mean, if we're being honest, we're, we're a French Cordero drop pop-up from possibly winning three or four so i mean it's not it's not really an overreacting going two for two 
Well, and, and look, I'm gonna we're gonna we'll actually get into that pop up in first base in a little bit, um, but we'll go to Steve here. So again, Steve, same question: Are we overreacting to this back-to-back -back wins against the Yankees? Have we lowered our expectations as Red Sox fans? I wouldn't consider it to be lowered expectations, to be honest with you, given the fact that. Like Jamie said, there are so many rookies up right now. It's essentially the Worcester Red Sox playing a bunch of major league teams at the moment. And to see them come out and win some of these big games the way that they have, it's honestly pretty encouraging to see what's to come. You know, we got a lot of impending free agents, and a lot of those guys are actually out right now, as a lot of you might know. So, I mean, to see these guys come in big situations like that and squeeze wins against a team who has a 14-game lead over the Boston Red Sox, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, it's pretty justifiable to be happy with two and two. I wouldn't consider it to be overreacting. So I'm kind of, I kind of am like split on that because again, you know, both the wins, Saturday's win again, I truly believe Saturday's win is the biggest win this team had all season long. Just the, just the theater with that. The fact that like Verdugo, um, Verdugo win and, you know, he got that big hit off of Clay Holmes, who has literally been, lights out for the New York Yankees and then, you know, get that big hit in the bottom of the 10th to essentially obviously win the game. Sunday, they come back again. They, they dug themselves a hole. They came back. The reason why I feel like we might've overreacted just a smidge is the fact that they, they basically, it was a wet fart on Monday night. They went, they got down early against the Rays. I like that Bayo stayed in there. I was texting with, uh, with Miggy and we were kind of talking about Bayo and you know what I mean? Like I was kind of happy they stuck with him in the game to give him a little more experience, but I feel like we're trying to rely way too much on this offense and these sticks to get them back in the game. And that's not going to be the recipe that this team wants to focus on for the rest of the year. And I, and I get it. You know what I mean? Like we're in a tough spot because four or five of these guys have to pitch these young guys. Um, but I mean, we are, we're, we're starting to get to full strength. Chris Sale's pitching tonight. We should see Nathan Evaldi for the Yankee series. Um, you know, Winkowski should be back out there again. And I hope Winkowski has something really negative to say about Yankee Stadium. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, it, it just, I feel, I feel like, like three or four years ago, it would have been a different narrative. Maybe to your point, guys, maybe it's because there's four rookies in the rotation. And don't get me wrong, like Cutter Crawford pitched great. What, what did he give up? Like one earned run? I believe so. Yeah. You know, so... There is, there is some, some optimism that can be had. Um, I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a mixed bag and it really, I'm more of a mixed bag. And the reason why I pulled that question mainly was the fact they had those two big wins. And then we followed that right up on Monday night with that giant, basic, this complete wet fart. And it's the only way I can kind of call that game. You know, you went down early, you came back, you tied it, you took the lead and then the bullpen just continues to rear its ugly head and we keep seeing it over and over and over again and there's there's just no movement from a trade perspective and again i know it, it's it's a double-edged sword you know it takes two to tango teams are going to want to hold out they're going to want to maximize their deal but anyway talk about the yankee series besides verdugo who obviously you know clearly one of the biggest mvps what were some of your takeaways from that series I think just the clutch factor, you know, especially in those last two games, it could have been very easy for them to kind of just give up. Um, 
And, you know, the fact that they battled back is key. You had guys, you know, stepping up, like even Jeter Downs with that single um, when he got his, you know, got his first major league hit and got his chance in that third game of that series. You know, it was nice to see guys step up, whether it was Crawford, you know, pitching, guys in the lineup, um, because, you know, if they had just given up, which could have been very easy, that would probably be having a completely different discussion about that series than we are right now. Yeah, you know, it felt like the first time in a long time where the entirety of the team was really contributing and everybody was putting in their two cents. You know, everybody kind of worked together in that game, that whole series, and um, it really felt like collaborative effort for a change. For a lot of this season, the narrative's been one's hot, the pitching, one's cold, the offense, and vice versa. Whereas in this uh, past series, and even over this course of uh, – you know, not every single game, obviously, but majority of them, it's felt like a lot of, you know, progress on both sides in the same games. And that has definitely been a recipe for success. So I'm definitely not complaining. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there. We kind of, I told Chris right before we started recording, I don't feel, and I told Jamie the other day, I don't feel really bad about that series. We, had, we threw, what, three guys out there that we're not going to see in October, if we're being honest. I handed on it before where Franchi dropped from winning that game, possibly winning that game on Thursday. Uh, was it Friday we had that Arroyo, you know, just complete blow up, but that game just never felt right with Seabold out there at the beginning. So I don't – that series just doesn't come off feeling too bad for me. I was also the most panicked I think I've ever seen a professional athlete. <laughs> like, I got – I kind of was panicked for him just watching that sequence, even though there are tons of – memes and gifts about it which were kind of justified but that is the most panic i think i've ever been watching singular baseball play in my life i just needed to you know share that with the world i don't know seeing jr smith with lebron that during the finals that one season kind of he was kind of panicked there too so True. but i mean i thought it looked like arroyo was like about to die he was like i don't know what's gonna happen this ball could hit me in the face like someone help me <laughs> i immediately thought of steve that the second that I that Arroyo with the hands and he's waving and he he was like scared to death. I thought of Steve. Well, I appreciate that. You know, Arroyo makes me think of you. I gotta tell you, you, you know, oh, it's because, that's because the two of us are uh, one and the same, if you will. <laughs> we so wrong. wait, so then who like were, so like were, were you the one that you outfield then? Yeah, maybe it was me. Never been spotted in the same place at the same time, just like Kike, man. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see KK anymore this year because he literally was pulled out of his rehab start again today, which is a little concerning um, yeah. from that from that perspective. Hey, but, it was how that depth will play a factor, though, right? I mean, some of the guys who stepped up, like Duran, they've been holding their own. And, I mean, if, if you know, some of these other guys go down, it seems like there's reason to believe there's optimism for – a lot of these guys should be able to fill those voids. Granted, maybe not to the full ability of some of these tenured veterans, but they're getting the job done. They're getting experience, which is kind of, you know, works out for both sides. No, I, I agree. You know, I, I think a lot of my, my, my thinking lately, though, has been more of like forward thinking about, Okay, you know what, let's take a look at, for example, four of the five starters the Red Sox have thrown out this year have landed on the I.L., right? My concern is, are we, when when these players come back, are we confident we're going to get the rest of the season with them? 
you know, I, I think it's fair to question whether or not Chris Sale will make 15 starts the rest of the way. And a matter of fact, I was going to pose a question. I'll just do it now. Chris Sale's got what, two years left on his deal after this year? Yeah. Does Chris Sale, okay. counting this year, make 60 starts total between this year and the next two years? And that's me saying him getting 15 starts this year, he would have to go 22 and a half starts the next two years. Based off of the track record, do you think Chris Sale will actually fulfill that and make 60 starts over the next two and a half years? No. I, I agree. I, I don't think his body is, you know, it's getting to a point now where he's, what, 32, 33 years old? 33, yeah. 33 years old, and he's been in this game for a long time. And just in the last few years, we're starting to see time, you know, signs of his body regressing a little bit. And, you know, with the frame like like Chris Sale, where he's tall and lanky, throwing pitches that fast, it's only a matter of time before there's yet another setback. We already saw him go down for, what, the whole entirety of 2020? He was out for all of 2020. He came back the latter end of last year. I think that's why they've been going out of their way to – go out there and get all that depth like they did last season. No, and I agree. I think, you know, the depth that Bloom has been able to bring, and I've been having this debate with people, whether it's been in person and here or there on social media, because, you know, it, it's whatever, but the depth is good. You know what I mean? Like I, I appreciate the depth. It's not like 2020 when we're throwing out the Ryan Webbers and um, who was the other guy they, that they, that they picked up that they, his name is escaping me. Zach Godley. You know what I mean? Oof. Like we're not, we're not you know, those type of players out there. Um, my concern though, again, sale has not shown a track record that we can really, really be confident. Obviously Nate should be back by the all-star break. Hopefully, you know, it takes us the rest of the year. Waka's dead arm is concerning to me. I kind of shift a little bit in my, in my trade deadline, kind of thought process to guys. I think they need to go get a starter and I, and I would look to get a starter that they have some control over. Yeah. I don't know who that player is. I haven't put a lot of thought into who that player should be, but I really yeah. think the Red Sox should go and forward think. And we kind of mentioned with McAdam last, last Tuesday. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, you really should. Uh, the Sean McAdam podcast that we did last Tuesday was, was a great conversation. We talked a lot about trade deadline. Um, Again, just, you know, probably one of our best guests we've had yet. Um, I think starting pitcher needs to, I think that needs to be in the conversation. I, I would actually elevate that more than the bullpen. I really yeah. would. Well, I feel like, too, that's kind of why they've given, given some of their younger pitchers more starts than we've seen them do with their prospects in the past years, just because I think, and then the pod we did with Mac, McAdam last week, he kind of touched on how, you know, Evaldi has injury, has injury histories. If these young guys keep pitching well, you know, going to the offseason, maybe, you know, let Nate walk and you keep giving it to the young guys. So I feel like trading for them, trading for a controllable arm is key. But I also feel like that's why they've been giving Cutter, um, you know, they gave Bayo two starts. We don't know if he gets another one. When Kowski's gone an extended look, they're kind of preparing for some of these guys walking, knowing that. You can't necessarily count on sale for 30 starts. You know, you don't know what you're going to get out of them next year. No, I, I think that's fair. I, I, I do. I, really do. I think that's fair. I just, you know, I think that the Red Sox are going to replace Nathan Eovaldi with Nick Pavetta. I think that that's an interchangeable piece in their head. 
that's what I, I mean. Again, I have nothing to go off that. I'm just kind of going off of for our conversation. You know, I'd like to go on the record real quick and just say one thing. Let's go. Um, Miggy, Miggy, note the time, please. Oh, Lord. What did I do? You're noting 840, 840, 840 15 seconds. I got no clue what's going on. Just remember 840, 17 seconds. Steve, go before I have to add more seconds. (laughs) Okay. I was just going to go on the record real quick and say that I think the fact that, uh, you know, this is happening at both an untimely and somewhat timely manner where, you know, you got a lot of these guys who are coming in right now, younger dudes, and they're making all these starts. Obviously, that's not what they wanted. That's not what Boston envisioned to start the year, to have so many of their prominent starting pitching to be on the IL. But it does give the uh, team an opportunity to showcase a lot of that younger talent see what they're capable of doing in the major leagues and then potentially swing a trade with one or two of those people included in a package. And I actually, you know, I'm kind of happy that you said that because again, in debate that I've been having with people, one of them was, and I really found this to be super, like it's, it's annoying. It's annoying to me. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of break a uh, Felger and Maz commandment. If you listen to Felger and Maz, they don't like to cross sports, but I'm going to do that really quick with our podcast. I'm going to to bring to you the Boston Bruins. And again, I think the only person out of this conversation who will appreciate what I'm going to say will be Jamie. (laughs) Mickey, they don't do do hockey in Texas and the Dallas Stars don't count. So, But it's still a great sport, Mickey, even though I've heard your hockey slander. (laughs) I can't. Except for Tyler Sagan, who never should have been traded for Louis Erickson, but that is a complete... Yeah, that still hurts. That's that's still... That cuts very deep, okay? Yeah. (laughs) So if you've been listening to Boston Sports Radio, Bruins fans... They're willing to go through and they want to see a rebuild. They want to see Don Sweeney play the young kids. They want to see exactly what the Boston Red Sox are doing right now. But yet those same Bruins fans are critiquing the Boston Red Sox for doing the same thing. It's almost as if that the Boston fan base is like, we don't know what the hell we actually want. It's we want to be competitive. We want to see the kids play. And when the kids suck, we want to trade them, though, for premium talent. Like, we can't have it all three ways. Guys, go back our last handful of years, right? The Dodgers, before they became the Dodgers that we've seen right now, and I'm not even counting that massive trade that we sent Adrian Gonzalez and Nick Punto and Josh Beckett and uh, the the clubhouse, you know, dugout guy. Like all uh, that. Yeah. Give Alan Webster some respect. He got but like no, two but like, wins. But, but think about the Dodgers though after that, right? The Dodgers took a couple of years before they were actually relevant. They did. And they took them a little while, right? Love it or hate it. Love or hate right. what they're doing. They're a competitive team. Year in and year out. They have the ability to spend money, but they have, they have controllable players. Like for example, Walker Bueller. Now mm-hmm. the Red Sox don't have an arm like Walker Bueller right now. So it's, I think it's kind of hard to compare that from that perspective, but for the sake of what I'm trying to say, they have a Walker Bueller, right? League minimum, not a ton of money. You can go ahead and overextend and bring in a Max Scherzer and try to bring him back. You can spend the money on the Trevor Bowers and, and hope he doesn't go and do stupid, you know, stupid stuff and miss a, a ton of time. And if he does, you're still okay. Cause you're probably going to trade for Frankie Montas and Luis Castillo and every other, you know, top of the line arm that can go in there. And I hope they do that. That way the Yankees don't get them, but teams like that, it took them a little while to get to where they need to be. Right. New York Yankee fans bash Brian Cashman this off season. They were commenting on him inside the sleeping bag and, 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 you know, scaling the buildings outside of Connecticut. 
yet Brian Cashman built a team that's going to win probably 115 games and might even actually win the World Series. It takes time for teams to do this, and we have to be patient. I just don't understand why we just won't and are not willing to be patient. But yet, on the flip side, we see these, these prospects, these Josh Winkowskis, and we say they're, they're, they're not any good, but yet they're, they're keeping us, our heads afloat, and the playoff push. I guess what I'm trying to say is, why can't we appreciate what is trying to be done right now? I understand letting, and I'm going to ask you guys about Kyle Schwarber because I wrote the thing today about Schwarber. I'm going to ask you guys about that in a little bit. But why can't we appreciate, like you guys are saying, this younger talent that's in here that's that's helping us out and winning? Why do we have to continue to bring up Andrew Benintendi and put him on this giant pedestal where I'd rather have Verdugo, Verdugo over Andrew Benintendi any day of the week? Twice on Saturday, three times on Sunday, <laughs> on Sunday, Right. Like, what do you think is the disconnect from that standpoint? Like, why are we struggling with, we're okay with seeing the Bruins rebuild, but we don't want to see the Red Sox, who seemingly have a plan. Whether we like it or not, they have a plan. Well, I guess if you're going to put it into a perspective of two different sports, but yeah. the same town. Talk about hockey, Steve. Let's go. I don't know a damn thing about hockey. I'll be honest with you. But frozen water. if it's going to be like that, I'm assuming it's because Boston always has a constant thirst to see a championship you know we're all spoiled here we've seen multiple multiple championships across all sports in this city and i think that if one team's not succeeding then the other should be and if both aren't then it's a wash and celtics went to the nba finals we want to trade jalen brown okay like stop it come on with your KD kd in boston you're going to get two years of KD. He yeah, signed before, but you're going to feel like get two years of, of Kevin Durant. Do we really want two years of Kevin Durant as in the, with the Boston Celtics? Are we going to be yeah. happy with one championship? And then after the two years are up and he ends up getting traded in the, over the next two years and the Celtics were what they were and they're rolling out, you know, the, the roster they were rolling out with the, the Stefan Telfairs of the world like years ago. Like we want that again. No, you're bringing back very traumatic memories that I deleted from my... Like, playing Grant, one of them, the dude from, like, Providence College. So I bring it back to the perspective of the Boston Red Sox. They have depth. A guy like Josh Winkowski, he doesn't give... He really doesn't care what he says. I mean, literally, he basically said that Wrigley Field sucks, and he said that the Yankees, who arguably are the best lineup in baseball, are nothing... He walked, what, five batters. He got lit up for, what, five or six runs and literally had the nuts to go and say that they don't – that basically they suck. It was funny. As you could see that coming from a mile away, too. When he first got traded to Boston, his bio on Instagram was, quote, Red Sox, I guess. <laughs> I just love how he's embraced this, like, troll, like, mental – the enterprise to baseball we need right now like somebody who's just kind of like there and he's like yeah i'm here i, I don't know and i think <laughs> Dude, i love it too, like you know like connor siebold i mean right now guys the dude's a 4a player he, get him it, on an uber out of here like i'm not giving up on the man just yet dude he's young Get him so no, no, hang on i'm gonna throw this so i'm gonna ask you this question so i asked this question to a friend of mine tonight so i'm gonna ask you the same question Nick Pavetta was 
the, the, the basically the golden goose of that deal. Connor Siebold was a lottery ticket. Now we've gotten to see Siebold a few times. Maybe, maybe it's the forearm and his arm was, was kind of screwed up and he wasn't, you know, whatever until recently, but on the big league level, it doesn't look like his stuff translates. I feel like he's better as a bullpen arm, like as a kind of long relief guy that can give you two or three innings. It doesn't and there's have value in that. There's value in that in this MLB now. Exactly. That's why I'd rather see him out of the rotation in that role than starting every five days. If I was like Alex Cora's predecessor or Alex Cora's brain, that's where I'm at. Cora's shrink. <laughs> you know, Alex, Alex has feelings too, dude. You know, he can talk about it. It's 2022. It's okay. 100%, man. No, I mean, what, what you were saying, though, I mean, I still think you got to roll Siebold out just a little more. You got to see what he's capable of. And if I don't want to see you a couple of good innings. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fair. But I mean, if he gives you a couple of good innings and you need a guy who can provide bulk innings and, you know, might have a good out- or outing, might not. Once again, he's still considerably, you know, young and has little to no major league experience. I mean, you know, if, if we were talking about Bale right now, you guys would definitely be backing him up because he's got hell of a lot more potential on paper. I think the ceiling, though, for Bayo is much higher than Siebold. Oh, no. under Yeah, 110%. I mean, we all, we've all seen, you know, the scouting reports and everything that's been said about him, comparisons, all that stuff. But with Siebold, I still think that there is – a little bit more to be seen before you could really make a true determination of where he belongs with the team, what his fit is. But once again, like you said, he was a lottery ticket. So at the end of the day, that's still a hell of a win for the Red Sox, regardless of the outcome of Seabold's career. But I mean, you know, he could be a bullpen guy too. He definitely could provide some good innings because I, I, I watched that one outing, I believe against Blue Jays where he gave up a hell of a ton of runs, but he was still getting swings and misses, and some of his pitches were real nasty. Batters in that Blue Jays game. What was that? I think he struck out seven batters in that Blues in that Blue. Yeah, Jays. no, he was getting some good swings and misses, but I mean, his command is just a little off. But so on the flip side, though, and speaking of the command, so I'm gonna I'm gonna segue this to Brian Bayo because his command didn't translate the big league level. It did not. Both starts against Tampa Bay, so it was the same exact lineup for the most part. Um. I thought his slider on Monday night looked pretty good. And I'm not a pitching coach. I'm not going to pretend that I'm a pitching coach and I'm the pitching ninja and all that other nonsense. On the surface, I thought his slider looked good. But he, he couldn't locate the fastball. And when he did, he left it over the heart of the plate. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I'm not writing off Brian Bale. So, guys, I don't want to do that. And, again, I, I'm a little, I've been salty the last, like, four or five days with, with things regarding the Red Sox and – I'm not going to go and write up Brian Bayo because I, I truly believe that that, that kid is going to be a integral part to 2023. And then from 2024 on, I think he's going to be a regular cog in that rotation unless they trade him and they get something truly substantial back. So I'm willing from a buy from a Brian Bayo perspective, I'm okay with saying, okay, you know what? Those two stars didn't really go as to plan. That's fine. We'll probably see him a little bit more this year at some point, probably in the bullpen see what he can do in a short sample. He's a starter. That's where he should be. I'm willing to give him the leash. I'm not willing to give 
Connor Seabold a leash, but I'm not going to give him a Seabold either. I think to your point, give him some time in the pen, get his arm healthy, see what he can do in the pen. And if he can't do it in the pen at the beginning level, it's time to go. It's time to go, and we move on, and we go from there. But that that is what it is. Make yeah. you quiet for a little bit. I'm just saying, yeah, you know, bro, share your words. I'm what trying not feel? to have live reactions. I was told not to react to the game. We're, so. we're not doing live reactions to the <laughs> game tonight. We're not, Maybe we're not, turn the game off right now. Mickey, Mickey, we're not telling people that Trevor Story. Time out for Mickey. Time out. You know what I mean? We're not going to go into Trevor Story left in the Can we mute his mic? That. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not what we're doing. You know, we're not going to go and say that Chris still went five innings and pitched rather okay. So we're not going to say that Franchi is like the best puncher in baseball history. We're not going to say that either. I got You know what? Though? No, All things considered, with Franchi Cordero, because I was pissed when he dropped that pop up. I was pissed the other night. Dude's I an outfielder. Here's the deal. Like, and it it just drives me crazy. Like, there's an outfielder playing first, and there's an infielder in the right in right field. It's like we're we're backwards here. It's it's like trying to make a puzzle, and somebody like wet the puzzle piece, and it just doesn't fit anymore. You know, like we have a, we have a, literally a dude in the outfield that can play the infield. But the last time that Christian Royo tried to play the infield, he ripped his fucking taint and he missed what twelve games, fifteen games in the Yankee Stadium. And that sure. was the first f bomb of this podcast. I'm trying to stop f bombing, but I, I couldn't. <laughs> I had to do it. it well, you know what, Chris? I just want to make one quick comment. Please go ahead. So you said Franchi playing first base when he's a right fielder, right? He's an outfielder. You could make that same argument about somebody that you were upset left the team. Earlier in Kyle uh, Schwarber. Referring to one Andrew Benintendi. I am referring to Kyle Schwarber. Benintendi right I'm gonna go, what, do you want to know why I have my feelings about Andrew Benintendi? Because I, I, I just want I just want to hear the rant because last time you did a rant on the podcast, it was just amazing. I guess I've kind of missed that. I've ranted. No, he has I have yet to witness a live Chris rant. So. all right, everyone, everyone take us just lean back, Chris, lay out your emotions. Okay. This is a safe space. Here's your mic and sit back. Here's Mickey, you're supposed to let him talk. Damn it. Here's my deal with Andrew Benatendi, guys. Okay. I think it was because for like what two or three years, it was Benny butt cheeks and Benny biceps and all this other nonsense, right? We hype him up, we make him into this giant thing, seventh overall pick. I remember his first at bat. I watched it live in Seattle. Um you know, he got that base hit to left field. His family was there. I thought it was a really awesome moment. Dombrowski called him up. He's, you know, he skipped AAA, all the other nonsense. But we hype up our players. It's like we put them on this like pedestal. We put them on, it's, it's, they're on this pedestal. And we turned Andrew Benintendi into this like folk, like legend of a player. And I just don't think that's who he is. He had that amazing catch against the Astros in the outfield that sealed that game. I was in Florida when it happened on a work, uh, on a work thing. It was like 140 in the morning. I'm screaming on the top of my lungs. Happy to see that happen. Take out 2020, but like you take out 2020 from a stat standpoint, games played went down, batting average down. Everything went backwards with Andrew Benintendi for whatever reason it was, for whatever reason it was, he goes to Kansas city and he performed. And I still say, because Kansas city, it's, it's a non-pressure environment. Now, I said that tonight, and I, I you know, my, the argument back was, well, he's got 93 hits, and he's, you know, third in the league in hits. Like, you know, if he was on the Red Sox, you know, hitting third. Andrew Benintendi's not hitting third for the Boston Red Sox. Andrew Benintendi's hitting sixth. He's hitting seventh. He's in, that, he's in that cusp of things. 
If Andrew Benintendi gets traded and he goes to Toronto or New York or one of those, those top tier teams that's going to go and get him and he performs, then I, you know what, then I, I then I'll wear it. I will. I'll, I'll come on our show and I'll wear it and I'll say that I was wrong about Andrew Benintendi. I think Andrew Benintendi, he's a career like 270, 275 hitter. Now, great. So will we take that right now with what we're seeing in the outfield? Absolutely. But from what we got to see, guys, Andrew Benintendi went backwards every year that he was here. Do you want to pay Andrew Benintendi 12, 15, $18 million a year? Is he that kind of player? He's not. So I'm okay with what Bloom did. I'm okay getting Josh Winkowski. I think we understand as, as a group of, of people on the podcast and understand what Bloom is doing, that Andrew Benintendi, I'm sorry, Franchi Cordero coming back was not the centerpiece. And if you still think that Andrew, that, that Franchi Cordero was the centerpiece, then I'm sorry, but don't take this the wrong way, but you're a fucking idiot because he's not. Like he wasn't the centerpiece. There's three of the prospects. One of those guys actually is pitching really well. People don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it because it's fit their narrative. Guys, Andrew Benintendi is a average to maybe, maybe an above average outfielder. And we hold him on this giant pedestal in regard. We, it's, I, I'm, honestly, I feel like it's, it's incredibly insulting. We put him in the same breath as Mookie Betts. He is not the same player. Hey, He's you not. know, I, I, I got something to say real quick. And, and I think a big part, a big playing factor in some of the performances, for some of these that players. A rant, though, too, because I've had where I, I get a little, I get a little. I uh, you kept it tame because I was here. You know, I kept it tame because I have this medicine here. Um, nope, that's not it. Oh, Jesus. I don't need to know about your medicine, okay, Chris? Hot is taking a turn. Right here. Yes. Okay. All right. Understood. No, what I was going to say is I think that there's some kind of cultural factor to it with Boston. I mean, you got guys who are putting nicknames and, you know, putting these guys on pedestal. Jared Kravis is calling them many, many butt cheeks and hyping them up and creating that narrative. And I'm cool with it because I think it's funny. I think it's an awesome. Oh, it is. It's a fun thing. thing. But I think that what that does, though, sometimes is it, it, it really, truly creates this bigger life for the player that is not what he is. Andrew Benintendi is not Mookie Betts. But we, when we talk about Andrew Benintendi, we loop him in that state. And I'm saying we, as in us, but Red Sox fans loop him in that same conversation because he was traded. And we call it a salary dump. I really don't think they dumped Andrew Benintendi's five and a half million dollars. I'm sorry, I don't. No, it was purely just to net more talent for the for the pipeline. And they've done exactly that. Now you're starting to see the repercussions of what they've received. And suddenly the Benintendi woke crowd has kind of quieted down a little bit. People aren't uh, that's right. Funny how that how that works when Winkowski comes up, pitches relative. Well, it's well. it's kind of plays into the into the earlier discussion about how people want to see immediate results. And when they have somebody subtracted for the major league lineup and fill that void with a guy like Hunter Renfro or you know, any other corner outfielder that they may have acquired in the last year, it's just not good enough for them. But then suddenly, when said player who replaces Benintendi, for example starts to perform well, then, you know, half the crowd gets quiet and the other half kind of starts to talk. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask a question here because now we're under the topic of scrutinizing players Uh with Miggy because Miggy, you know, he's, he's, you know, cat's got his tongue. (laughs) So Miggy, (laughs) I wrote an article today on the beyond the monster Substack. You should, you should subscribe. It's free. Um, 
it's you know a ton of content on there um brian you know Mata conversation you know here i'm gonna i'm gonna I, I gotta rant really quick i'm gonna segue into that i had someone on facebook go and say that you know congratulations you interviewed brian Mata, who by the way and emily pipeline MLB Pipeline, that's their seventh top prospect in, in their system. But yet the questions that I asked is, can be biased. How is me asking a player about their recovery from Tommy John a biased question? That's not. Okay. How about like me asking the player, hey, by the way, your mom or your biggest inspiration rather <laughs> during your recovery, who was that? And he says his mom. Is that a biased question? No. No, because I, I did that 10 hours ago with the, with the prospects. <laughs> And I got one more. Hang on. I got one more for you. How about when I go and ask Brian Mata about the tattoos he has all over his arms, his legs, dude's a giant tattoo guy wanting to find out why he got the tattoos he has, stuff like that article coming out on that very soon. How is it a biased question? Do you want to know what I call that? Well, I, please tell me. Good journalism is what I call that. You know what? Hey, look, I got the degree hanging on the wall. I really don't. But here's the deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> so like now to flip it back here i don't know where i was going with that um, you're talking about schwartz yeah schwartz so guys we saw right we saw franchi he, he dropped that ball and let's just call it what it is he makes the catch maybe they win that game maybe they don't whatever it might be but then bobby dahlback had probably the worst at bat in the history of baseball as well completely completely like questions as to why. So I'm going to ask this question first. Mickey, why is Bobby Dahlbeck on a big league roster? There's I, I, teams in baseball. Why is he on the Boston Red Sox? I couldn't tell you. His defense doesn't help us out at first. His defense doesn't help us out at third, trying to, you know, fill in for Devers. You well, saw that pop play. Last day, prime example. Thank you for saying that. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to feed off of that. No, he's, no. Well, he's, he's one of the worst guys when it comes to a 3-0 count because I feel like he's probably one of the easiest guys to get out on a 3-0 count, which makes no sense. At bat. With, the, with the bases juice, he was ahead in the count. Yeah, and I mean, I texted y'all right before that, that at bat and I just felt like triple play was coming because that's just what Dahlbeck does for us. But I mean, going back to what you said, people give him this name, praise him and everything and just trying to make him better than what he is. I don't see it. Bobby bomb, you know, Bobby bombs. And then, you know, we got the, the, the Twitter means of throwing him on Barry bond, his face on Barry bonds, his body. Stop. Cute. Love it. Love you. Mean it. Stop. Bobby Dahlbeck would be lucky to be starting for the Miami Marlins at first base. He'd be lucky to be starting for the Oakland athletics at first base. Again, Sean McAdam last week said it perfectly. 26 years old, has power, truly the only value that he brings. That's it. But he continues to get thrown out there. Why? We don't, we haven't, guys, we have not had a first, a true first baseman in two and a half years. Mitch Moreland, with the exception of, of Schwarber, who really wasn't a first baseman, Mitch Moreland was the last true first baseman the Boston Red Sox had, and they traded him in the 2020 season. And that position has been an albatross until Schwarber came in. The Red Sox traded for Schwarber. And Jamie, was there not backlash from the fan base? It was. Schwab, we, it was. Bloom was killed because we 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 were we were stroking the ego of, of Rizzo. We wanted Rizzo, Rizzo, and we wanted Rizzo only because of the fact that he used to be a Red Sox prospect. 
I remember when they when you know they first got him, a lot of people argued more how he would take at bats away from JD from the eighth spot than what he actually would bring in the lineup. He was actually, I think we can all agree, Schwarber was actually better defensively than I think anyone expected him to be for that like half season that he was here. So now the Red Sox have Kyle Schwarber. I'm sorry, they don't have Kyle Schwarber. They have Bobby Dahlbeck and they have Fran- Franchi Cordero, who combined have 130 strikeouts, 10 home runs. And I said in the article, and I mean it, like you can Frankenstein the two players together and you're not going to get a Kyle Schwarber. And again, I, I and I'm not even going to go ahead and say that the Red Sox should have signed Kyle Schwarber. But for the sake of the argument, why couldn't you sign Kyle Schwarber? Well, Make, why question, couldn't the Red Sox have signed Kyle Schwarber? The question, I guess, is really hinging, hinging on, uh, you know, on the decision that JD made and the moment that JD opted in, it was almost this question of, well, if we don't, you know, why don't, why don't we address a situation and a place, a weaker spot in, in the lineup, or should I say defensively, there's not a true second baseman that was coming up the pipeline that was considered, you know, credible, ready MLB talent. And the Red Sox kind of felt like that money should have been allocated towards somebody who could play up the middle. Now, let's say Xander does, in fact, opt out at the end of the year. And you take someone like Trevor Story, who is playing second at the moment, you move him over to shortstop. And then you make way to see if that other second baseman and Jeter Downs can make an impact. And there's other, you know, there's, there's several other factors that kind of play into that. Now, J.D. obviously opted in which made the decision to retain Schwarber a little harder from a financial point of view. I understand that Boston has some money to bring them both, but later down the line, they're going to need to uh, make way for some of the younger prospects. And it's going to be very hard to get rid of bloated contracts like that of Schwarber or any other big name player in the event that you want to make more space for the younger guys. That's where the problem is, where you have to trade one or the other, include these guys in a trade to get rid of some of these players. I mean, we saw with David Price, you know, no, no, 15 million. I'm going to flip something back to you then, right? So I'm going to ask, the, I'm going to ask the question again. Why couldn't you sign Kyle Schwarber? Because, so for example, you're saying if Xander leaves, and I, I understand that, Xander, Xander leaves, we're going to put Trevor Story at court, opens the door for one of the young guys to play second. We entrusted Kyle Schwarber to play th- to play first base for the playoff run though. You know what I mean? Like we were okay with him playing first base in September when it counted in October, when it counted, he wasn't going to be their DH. So let's just say you signed Schwarber in, in you signed story. I don't think it's, I don't think it's one or the other. You could, you could have done both instead though. No, we didn't want to do that. The Red Sox actually valued, they let Kyle Schwarber go and they valued Franchi Cordero at $814,000 they valued Bobby Dahlback at like 750 and first base at like 1.5 million. And instead, we're getting no production. We're getting two guys that barely get on base. Franchi's provided some pretty good hits at times. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that away from him. Bobby Dahlback has not provided a big has provided a big hit for this team, probably outside of that. Did he have that triple this year? Or am I thinking of last year? Was that triple in the in the trop? Was that this year? He he that was, day, so. When he was like oh for like a million, I think oh, that was wow. last year. My point is that I'm trying to get at is that the argument that everybody keeps saying back is, well, why would we keep two DHs? No, guys, like 
he was playing first base when it counted. Why couldn't he play first base from the time the season started until the season ended? And then if you made the decision that, that you didn't want to re-sign J.D. Martinez, you could have slide because you're paying J.D. the same money that theoretically that, that Schwarber's that being paid right now. Why could you not just go and move the player over and you can still do whatever it is you need to do? I have been pro Bloom, and I'm not going to go against – I still think that what he's doing is the right thing. Bloom did not prioritize the first base position. He truly, truly felt – that Franchi Cordero, BFF of the pod, contrary to what others might think. 100%. <laughs> but Franchi Cordero and Bobby Dahlbeck. And then I, you know, I had someone that tweeted at me t- about today about, well, Dahlbeck had the, the fifth highest WRC plus in the in 150 minimum plate appearances. Stop giving me the nerd stats that, that, that make an argument for you. You're just trying to make yourself feel better. Bobby Dahlbeck is not a big league player, and he shouldn't be for the Boston Red Sox. He, I'm sure he's probably a really nice guy. I know, Steve, you talked about, like, Grateful Dead and everything else. You guys can have a great conversation about, you know, tunes. Bobby Dahlbeck should not be playing for the Boston Red Sox anymore. Well, he, 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 he gives me the similar mentality of a type of player who might prosper in a smaller market team where there's not so much pressure on him. You know, it reminds you of the Chavises of the world. Um, I think – in regards to your first base argument, there was probably a different timeline in place where in an alternate universe, Tristan Casas did not get hurt. No, I agree. And he probably would have been with the big league club by now. No, I agree. That's my two cents. I think that's what they initially went into it with. And, you know, worst case scenario, which is obviously what we're seeing right now, they didn't have a first baseman who has been really able to secure that position, make the routine plays that were necessary, and at least be an efficient hitter. So I think that's obviously a weak spot for them, and that's something that they're going to likely address at the uh, trade deadline, whether that be in the form of a rental or maybe they – I I can't imagine they would rush Costas, but I remember a few episodes ago we were talking about Bayo. And we were all kind of on the same page that we probably wouldn't even see him this year. And here we are just a day removed from his second start in the big, big leagues. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I, and, and I, and I kind of think it's going to be, I think Costas is going to be, he's going to get the bail effect. Um, I don't think that at this point right now, I don't have the confidence that Bloom is going to want to make a move for Josh Bell, who I I think collectively, I think, and I'm not going to speak for us, but, Maybe we'll go around the horn. It, would Josh Bell, Jamie, be? Do you think he's an upgrade at first base and is someone you think the Red Sox, Red, Red Sox, the Red Sox, her, the Red Sox should go after? Yeah, first of all, love that alternate personality, whatever that just was. I'm not sure what that was, to be honest with you. But loved it. Um, I mean, I love Josh Bell just because the power he brings. I know um, I love him. He used to play from watching him, from watching his Pirates years. But he's even kind of he's you know he's been hitting well with the Nationals too. I just think he is a guy that would fit well. He's young. You can move him around a little bit when you know when JD leaves or you know if he doesn't resign, however that transpires in the offseason. I feel like he's a piece you could kind of like get. You, you he, he and Cassis could coexist, um, and he'd be a huge upgrade over what they have now. So, I mean, I, I feel like, like you said, you have to upgrade that position regardless, even if it's a rental to pair with Cassis when he comes up. 
because he'll be under a tremendous amount of pressure and you know platooning him with Cordero and Dahlback is not going to help with that at all because they'll slump just as poorly or they're not going to really take that pressure off um but you know as we've said it's a serious black hole that has kind of screwed them over this year just because they've gone virtually you know Cordero's given them something but I feel like when Dahlback's out, up it's an automatic out like 90 percent of the time 30 I think he strikes out 38.3 percent of the time this year yeah and some of that bats too are just like non-competitive you know just it's not even that he's trying he's striking out there's some at bats when you know the reaction is what are you doing up there like what what was that approach i'd rather see jackie bradley jr if i had the, if, if literally if you said to me hey look you got jbj and bobby Dahlbeck on the bench and you got to choose one to come in here to pinch it i'm sending jbj out there and i know it's warm in steve's heart <laughs> like i but i'm sending jbj out there Bobby Dolbeck does nothing for me. And I, and like, again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shit on the guy. Like I, I, again, I'm really not, but as Red Sox fans, I think, you know, as part of being a fan, we have the right to criticize people. And I think I I said it in the, in the tweet that I sent out earlier today, it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies and Skittles, you know, shooting out the sky and what a nickels out your ass. It's not going to be always positive. We have the right and we should criticize when players are not performing. Don't give me hard hit data. I do not care that Franchi Cordero will be hitting 280. He's not. So don't tell me that he would be because he's not. No I mean, one cares. Here's the thing. No if you're going to take Franchi Cordero over a guy that's hitting like what I think he's hitting over 300 with like an 850 OPS and everything. Yes. He strikes out. I mean, you said earlier in the pod, I think you said Franchi and Bob strike, have struck out like 150 times total. 130 times right now. But on the flip I mean, side, I was told that Kyle Schrober struck out 108 times. And again, if you if you're willing to go ahead and say, you know what, you want Frenchie and Bobby Dahlbeck over over Kyle Schwarber, then you know what, tell your doctor you need to get your head examined. <laughs> you get there's problems going on. I mean, and Josh Bell is actually a legit first baseman. You have the guy that's going to bring you. If you want to make a deep run in October, you're going to need to make a trade for this guy. You're going to need a real first baseman going into October. I mean, we've talked about getting a reliever. I think the first baseman is the biggest thing we need to get defensively we saw both those guys I mean we saw we saw Bob drop that yesterday of course he was playing third base but still we've seen his errors throughout the season we've seen Franchi drop that pop out I mean Josh Bell's gonna give you a 300 batting average I mean he has 850 OPF something like that that's power yeah I mean if you're if you want to make a run in October you need to address that first base side and I think that's going to be a good move that we might need to make that's going to cost us Bobby but who cares I think a lot of Red Sox nations is just ready to get rid of him. No, and, I, and I'm happy that the Red Sox fans are starting to realize that Bobby Dahlbeck is like is not a good player for this team. I'm happy that we're starting to come around to that because he's not. And again, I, I'm not trying to. And, and again, I feel like we what we try to do with how we do content and cover the players. I feel like we do a really good job trying to try to balance out between the fact that look, again, the second they step off the diamond for lack of better terms, like we're all the same you know, person. You know I mean, like they're, they're going to do the same shit that we do. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? They're people outside of what their batting average says, but from a Red Sox perspective and seeing this team be successful, if we continue to run Bobby Dahlbeck out there, we're not going to be successful. Did you guys listen to on, um, I don't know if you saw, I, you know, with Barstool had it and a few other outlets had it, but did you guys see that rant that that dude from the Michael K show did today? Or yesterday, it, did. it was it was it was great. So did you hear that that rant? Yeah, I actually listened to it um, during my 
work or during my lunch break. You know, so it, it, to me, it's kind of like, it's okay to like, it's okay to rant. It's okay to, to, to go ahead and, 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 and criticize. Like that's our right as, as fans. But what I really am like struggling with and I'm getting super frustrated as a Red Sox fan is all of these like nerds who want to go and tweet all of these advanced stats and think that they're, that, you know, that they're, you know, you know, basically Gronk spiking on you because, well, this person here with their, their Bapit says this and the WRC plus says this, they don't care. At some point we got to use our fucking eyeballs. My eyeballs tell me that Bobby Dalbeck can't hit a baseball. Not scout, and I'm sure if we would have if we would have pulled, you know, a hundred people, Family Feud, they would say the same thing. I'm not really sure I was going to go with that whole thing with the with the whole rant with the guy, but I just found it to be very entertaining. Here's a bunch of those guys that are tweeting at you talking about the you know Bob thing and everything. They don't look at the offense numbers. Defense is what you need in October. Let's make sure we're looking at that too. Well, not let's just not avoid just you know batting average, whatever you know, yeah, all the difference. WRC plus and yeah, and all those. And I'm not really kind of referring to some of them on Twitter because I, 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 you know, a lot of those guys who do give the advanced sets on Twitter, I think do a really good job. You know what I mean? I, I think they try to quantify a good balance at times. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I respect what what people tweet. I, I do. I think I'm more like pissed, and I we say it all the time, like and we say it, like you know, Steve can I think attest more. And, and Jamie is that that Facebook group it like they're, like they're the bread and butter of the content that we go ahead and write because they're the ones that are clicking on it the most when you share it in the groups but oh my god it's like what are we doing like re- you really think this way I want to say one thing about the Red Sox Facebook groups please go I'm trying to think about how to say this oh, nicely because yeah. I might, I might rant. it's like the most when I post an article in those groups, I have to mute it because within five minutes, there's about five people that I'm like, I don't know how you were authorized to have Facebook or like comment or anything because they just say the most outlandish things. And half the time, they don't even relate to like what I wrote. Like they'll comment something. I'm like, first of all, you didn't read it. Second of all, that player's not on the Red Sox. So I don't know why you're commenting that. There's a dude that, that commented on something I want. I think James might have wrote on the Substack. Hey, you wrote it like French. I'm like, what the fuck are you trying to say? Like, I don't exactly. want to copy and paste it into Google and, and hope that Siri can tell me what you were trying to say. Like, if you're trying to like, if you're trying to dunk on me, let's say it in English. Like, yeah, I don't think there's one happy Red Sox fan in those Facebook groups. And if they are, I applaud those people because they're a diamond in the rough. You no, know, honestly, if they are, it's 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 Granny, it's Granny. <laughs> you know, it's middle aged mom who's 45. You know, and in between, you know, in between waiting for, you know, husband to come home and she's throwing the pork chops on the, on the, on the grill, you know what I mean? She's hopping on mm-hmm. Facebook and she listened to Felger and Mass for five minutes and she wants to just go ahead and throw her a comment or it's grandma. We gotta love them. They're doing a great job. Great, great granny. I'm happy. I'm happy that they're doing a great job. But again, I don't want to completely, completely shit on the, the Facebook folks because they, they read a lot of our articles. I think what struck a nerve with me is when the, it was when one of the admins said that they wanted to remove me from the Facebook group because I had a difference of opinion than they did. Like, dude, come on. Like, because you- oh, I, I love when the admins hit, hit you up from like, you really have nothing better to do today, but- I'm like, I'm gonna tell you what it is. They get picked out in high school 
And all of a sudden now you're an admin of a Facebook group and you and like you like all of a sudden now we're measuring dicks. Great. Awesome. Thank you for dropping your fucking hog on the counter because you now because all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Like you're running a Facebook group. Awesome. Great. Great. I'm gonna keep writing, keep posting in your in your Facebook group and your 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 people in there are gonna keep commenting on it. But you know, just keep dropping the hog down. You're showing me up. Great. Like you missed the, you kind of caught the latter end of the of the hog comment. So, but we're we're going off on a tangent. We're gonna reel it back in. We're gonna reel it back in. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with with the whole first base piece. So. Oh, okay, but I feel like for the next two weeks, the two, you know, two things we're here most commonly associated with the Sox are first base options and relievers is where those rumors are going to focus. I agree. I agree. MLB drafts coming up, guys. You have some excitement for that. I am. You know, I've, I'm excited to see what Bloom does, um, and especially for those first ten projected picks. There's a lot of talent there, um, and I'm just excited to see how that, you know, where those guys are picked, because um, it can be. I think it's a very interesting class this year. That's my draft analysis portion of Lamar. I was going to say that. If they bring Kumar Rocker in, they draft Kumar Rocker. Are you excited for that? I'd love that. I wanted them to get him last year. Yeah, I'd be excited if it were 2020. I just don't really know what's left in there. The injury, uh, you know, the, the reason the Mets didn't sign it was obviously pertaining to some sort of structural damage or something. So that makes me almost wonder if it would be worth the first-round pick. I saw that there was a mock draft that potentially had Boston selecting him, which is Boston 24th in the draft. I, I believe they're 24th. I was going to say, yeah. for some reason, that number came to me. Yeah, right. So I, I just can't really envision, uh, you know, we, we all we all make our predictions every year. And it oftentimes seems, I mean, last year is a whole different story with the four overall pick, but um in 2020, nobody saw Nick Yorka no, coming no, along, and all of a sudden, he's like, you know, the love child of all of Boston Nation. You know, everybody wants to keep him protected. They would never touch him. So I would be surprised if there was some other crazy idea in the works nobody would see coming. I'm knowing a, I, 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 I think, honestly, you go with the best player available. When you're picking 24th, go best guy available, and you're like that you think it's going to be, you know, at oh, yeah. the Someday yeah. when, when MLB can trade all the picks and all that other stuff, like I imagine Heimbloom taking the 24th pick and getting like six other picks and some rando that can play the outfield and all that other stuff. But someday when that happens, I think that'll be pretty cool. But what I do like is the fact that the MLB draft has started to become a little more mainstream. We're starting to know who these players are. I think from our standpoint, the fact that, you know, Boston picked fourth last year and that, you know, we have Heimbloom as, as the, chief baseball officer and the focus is on you know a younger a younger talent base you know we're, we're getting a little more exposure to these guys i think it's good for the sport i think it's overall good for the sport and i'm excited for that so drafts coming up i think it's this sunday and the red sox will pick 24th so um yeah you know we're, i'm excited for that but to kind of to kind of get it into the wind down phase again, Red Sox, you know, two, you know, they split the series with New York. They got a big series in that with Tampa Bay. They got New York again coming up. Um, I think 
you know, you're getting Sale back, you're going to get Evaldi back. Hopefully Nick Pavetta can start to turn it around. We didn't really touch upon Pavetta, but his last two starts, he really hasn't been that great. But again, guys have that. They're going to have those hiccups. I think it's magnified more because of the fact he's really the only big league arm that they had in the rotation. Um, again, getting the all-star break, let's get Rafi healthy. Honestly, I wouldn't want him to play in the all-star game. Let's get him out of, let him go home for a couple days, get some rest. He doesn't need to go and show off in, in, in LA. We know he's a good player. You know what I mean? Like he was an all-star. We know that's the case. Um, JD's an all-star. Don't agree, but that's fine. Robert should have been an all-star. He should have been 100. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, um, I think it's okay to be, to be skeptical at times about your Boston Red Sox. I think that's what makes it fun to be fans currently as constituted until they make some moves. I don't think they're going to make a big run. Hopefully they, they make some moves in the, in the coming weeks. Looking forward next couple weeks as we wind down again, trade deadline specials are coming up. We're going to have some guests with that. Uh, please make sure that you are following our social medias. Um, a lot of content coming out on all the handles. Um, I don't know, did Obstructive View really tweet anything tonight with uh, the game? I don't think so. Um, not really, no. Yeah, I was gonna say, We've I think been we here focused, the whole time. Uh, yeah, I think we were more focused on our audience than also this podcast. It's taken in uh, the game's taken an unfortunate turn. Right? Yeah. Since we're not commenting live about it. And that's strong. Um, we're not going to talk about that on the podcast, right? So, about, you know, hasn't been a lot of positive stuff to tweet about tonight's game. Other than a nasty Chris Dale slider, but that was about an hour and a half ago. So <laughs> that's cute. That's great. So uh, make sure you head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hit the subscribe button. You'll get the latest podcast. Last week, two podcasts dropped. The How We Met Story. We recap Wrigley Field, Wrigleyville. Um, thank you for listening. Um, as well as the Sean McAdam interview. We did very, very well. Um, some really good conversation that's there. I have some guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be on the podcast. There's some really good content coming. So hit that subscribe button for the Obstructive View podcast. Also, while you're there, type in Soxpex podcast and click the follow button there. I think episodes four, five, and six should be coming out over the next couple of weeks. We're going to get those guys recorded. And then lastly, said it earlier in the show, I'm going to say it again, head over to the Substack and throw your email in, hit the subscribe button. There's content coming out pretty much every day, anywhere between three, six articles. Maybe I won't fall asleep one night and I drop three articles in a row at two o'clock in the morning, um, you know, for your morning commute to read. Um, that all, you, that. all you read and drive. Perhaps they're on a train. Um, audio, audio books. Maybe audiobooks. Come on now. Train. <laughs> There's an abundance but of options. We don't have trains here, so. Yeah, we got trains up here. And then, then all, and in every single article is a link to one of our podcasts. You can go back and listen to us talking to Savannah Bananas. You can listen to us talk to Jake Yazzie from the DraftKings Jared Carabas podcast, Bob Nightingale, uh, Betty from California. Gotta love me some Betty. Thank you for Woo, Betty. Um, and then some Sean McAdam. And we have some guests coming up very soon. Again, the Betty podcast is a great show. You should go back and listen to it. Um, so in closing, Steve, we'll go around the horn. Do you have anything else for Betty and the listeners? Let's hope Evaldi comes back strong, stays healthy the rest of the way. Okay. Miggy, it's Prime Day. Did you buy anything on Amazon? I did not. That sucks. I do not have money until next week, but I did get margaritas. Well, hey, look, sure. margaritas is very important. We'll make sure we're paying you for the podcast. 
Um, <laughs> We're but, getting paid. Uh, <laughs> I, think he, I think he does because he books the guests. Um, Prime Day. So Jamie, you got the uh, you got the ABC Four logo on the old. Uh, we do. Work. Right new job. Huh? How's the new job treating you? Yeah. How, first off, how's South Carolina? Tell us about South Carolina real quick. If Steve South wants to leave, he can leave. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, he has a deep. It's fun. It's an adjustment. I'll be honest. It's been a lot of uh, info the last couple of days that is going to take a while to memorize. Uh, but you know, it's fun finally working full-time gig in journalism if you, anyone knows how to construct wayfair furniture um dm me on yeah, yeah. instagram <laughs> or twitter I mean, I because that, i call that adult legos we currently have a dresser and nightstand that's just staring at me with about 70 different screws and six dowels of different sizes that's mm-hmm. haunting my dreams you want to go help but you? other than that other than that you know we're fine this is what i think you did wrong right I'm not a believer of dressers and all that shit. I'm going to tell you why. You go ahead and you buy those cube things at like Target for like $79.99. And then for like $11.99, you buy the, you buy the little cubes. Mm-hmm. And you, you close and you fold them in the cubes. And they're decorative. And the clothes are inside there. And you spend half the time building the stuff. Yeah. No, I really wish I had the cubes because, you know, I got home from work at 7 um after doing two newscasts i'm just like that dresser is not getting constructed until saturday because that's a lot of energy that i don't have how about about just have you experienced south carolina in general yet though you know a little bit um you know pops came out to help help with the move and we went downtown Uh um the first night and he stayed like 10 minutes from downtown so we explored the restaurant scene there sunday Uh uh-huh Probably gonna have the beach this weekend and fully start to, you know, take it in with my days off. Went to the beach. Uh, to the beach. Mm-hmm. I'll build a sandcastle. Got football though. Football season. That's true. Yes, sir. I'll mean, go to the beach. I'll just build a sandcastle. That's what I'll do. That's no shame of that, dude. Sandcastles are awesome. Look, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna. Do you want to? And I'll, I'll actually reveal this to our listeners. This is why I don't like the beach. I was like 11 years old. Went down to Florida. I was. We were at Fort Lauderdale. We're at the beach. And I was throwing a Nerf football on the fringe of the water. And I got stung by the tentacle of a man of war. It wrapped underneath my knee. So behind my knee, all the way down around my leg to my Achilles. There's two ways in which you can get the stinger out of a human. One of those ways would be meat, ten- meat tenderizer. You know another way? So I'm guessing you did not have a meat tenderizer. No, did not. Nope. Didn't pack that in the old cooler. Besides medicine, which the lifeguard didn't have, you know another way in which one can get the uh, the stinger out of your body? I Walk think I do because I'm picturing it, but I'm going to wait for you to say it. Yeah, <laughs> urine. Yep, that's the other Urine is the other way to get the tentacle out of your leg. And I was pissed on. The back of my leg was pissed on. <laughs> I'm okay with saying that on the pod. No shame. At least you're next to the water, right? I, no shame. Look, I look. I dance like a dickhead in Chicago <laughs> I no right now. Okay, so right, I have no. I'll be honest. I'm kind of traumatized for you from that story. That is a very, you know. Yeah, lifeguard Peter. Trauma. Like, I didn't turn around. I didn't know what was going on. I just know he peed on my leg. So, <laughs> so I do not have a urine fetish because of that. I'm all set with being peed on. 
But uh, yeah, no, black man like Spina. Yeah. Steve, I'm happy we got. I'm happy we got the fetish thing out of the way at a young age. Yeah, no, no, I'm not into. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, not a big urine guy, to be honest. Steven, who's winning the home run derby? Home run derby. Ooh, Ooh. I like Albert's. Pool. <laughs> I like Albert Pools. I, like, cool. I feel like I feel like he's at a point right now in his career. Where Albert, he, just, he could just turn it all. On. I was about to say like Albert's odds, and then said Albert's pool. But I have a feeling that Pujols is just going to throw it all on the line. And um, Chris, who you got? I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him. I know he probably is the worst odds, but I'm going. I'm going Albert. No, I, I'm going to go Albert Pujols because it's his swan song, final All Star weekend. I think he's going to try to put on a good show for fans. Um, I honestly, I, I I wouldn't put it past him winning it. I think it'd be a great story. Um, I like though that there are some big names in the thing though. I mean, Schwarber is going to be in it. Juan Soto is going to be in it. Um, who else am I missing? They just announced too. Um, uh, Pete Alonzo, Acuna. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some there's some premium names in this thing. I believe they're still, they're still waiting for J Rod. Maybe John Carlo. I look. I truly think that the that Major League Baseball should, from a marketing standpoint, you get with Taco Bell, and you put <laughs> little taco signs in the outfield, and if a player goes Oppo Taco and hits the sign free tacos like they do for when you steal the base in the world series they should do that i should pitch that to manford i should pitch it to the marketing team oppo taco home run derby make it happen put us give us a, some free publicity some pre-press you know some press get me at the home run derby hold the century 21 sign obstructed view wear the shirt i wouldn't put my money on vlad in 2019 then i'm who wins the home run derby um for nostalgia i would say Pujols, but you gotta go with the with the polar bear with Alonzo. You know, it's the dude. It's the dude's event. You know, so as a, so as a pod, we're all riding with Pujols. Yes. Wait, can I bring up some random something earlier that I want to say that I like didn't get a sec? Back to like when Kowski is trolling. I can't wait till he faces Otani, and he just says like his piece, even though it's gonna be complete like. Crap! I just can't wait till we hear Winkowski's thoughts on on facing Otani. He's just gonna be like, yeah, it's another average hitter, you know. <laughs> kind of yeah. like we got last year from uh, who was it last year on Otani's birthday that struck him out? Adovino. Yeah. Adovino. Man, I forgot about him. Like, he just pissed from Winkowski being like, you know, average, you know, average hitter doesn't throw that hard, doesn't <laughs> amaze me, doesn't impress me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Hmm. Well, gentlemen, episode, I think this is episode 20, 20 episodes in into the season. Episode 21 will be coming up. That's the episode this podcast can officially drink a cocktail. Coming up next, um, again, just hit the subscribe button. You'll you'll get the, the latest podcasts that are going to drop. Um, and just do really quick, huge thank you to everybody who has subscribed. The subscriber count has uh, skyrocketed substantially in the last couple of weeks. So I, I appreciate people who are going on to apple itunes hitting that subscribe button same thing with spotify to be honest with you the 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 listenership between the two where we were crushing it on apple is now like practically even so hey it's not twenty thousand downloads yet but we're getting there we are getting there so for steve who's tired miggy margarita miggy jamie and south carolina That is episode number 20. Smash that subscribe button. 
We'll be back next week or sooner. The Obstructive View Red Sox podcast. <laughs>